Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, as always, thanks for the introduction there. And we have Jim Nance back in the fold again this week. Uh, of course, we did a tour on CBS starting this week at Torrey Pines, one of the best weeks of the year. I love this event. I think I covered it eight times. Uh, when I used to live in Sacramento, California, I used to cover all the West Coast Swing events, but this is one of my favorites. I love the views. Number three, the par three down the hill. Remember the U.S. Open 2008, Tiger Woods at Torrey. I mean, this is such an iconic venue. But, yes, Jim Nance back in the seat with Nick Faldo. they got a new producer, Seller Shy, who is only the third coordinating producer for CBS since 1959, with golf, that is. You think about the great Frank Trichinian and then Lance Barrow the last 23 years. Seller Shy is at it. He's uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. This guy played at Torrey Pines. He said, he said in the conference call last week, I was listening, that he has a special spot for Torrey Pines because he played in the Junior World Am that they have here. You know, we hear about uh, Phil playing in it and Ernie Els, but no, the producer of CBS Sports Golf currently Seller Shy played in that event a couple times. He did joke that his dad followed him <laughs> for three holes, and then after the fourth hole, he walked over to follow Phil. And Sellers, of course, jokingly said, hey, at the time, <laughs> he should have taken that as the cue that he needed to get into TV and not as a player <laughs> if his own dad was going to do that. Really cool stuff. So good luck to Seller Shy and his team this week. What an awesome place to start, as always, for the CBS team. And, of course, Manny Balionis does a great job of the interviews. That is a heck of a team. Colt Nost, if you guys listen to a great podcast, he's got the uh, Golf Subpar podcast with Drew Stoltz. They do a great job. And Colt, I guess, is going to be part of some of the CBS coverage in the upcoming year. I'm not exactly sure his schedule, but keep an eye out for that, too. Anyway, should be an awesome week. I've got John Rahm. I've spoke with him a couple years ago. You're going to think I'm crazy, but you know what? This was all about Torrey Pines and his first win. Think about John Rahm and his career. 12 professional wins. Five on the PGA Tour. His very first win was at Torrey Pines in the Farmers Insurance Open 2017. Gosh, it was only his 17th PGA Tour start. Adam Hayes, who is a 23-year caddying veteran. Of course, he started in the LPGA Tour. He started making $400 a week and just had gone through a, just so many changes and he he's seen a lot as Adam Hayes but he has really found a good player in John Rahm so here's a maybe about I don't know maybe a four minute conversation with John when I spoke with him um just about what it what it meant to him and what de- coming down the stretch Torrey Pines how crucial was this uh what was it like on the closing stretch and he, of course he makes two eagles on the back nine and of course he's got to compare himself to Tiger Woods and what Tiger did at Torrey and that Saturday third round at the U.S. Open. So, some great stuff here with John Rahm. You're going to love this. That The confidence is the biggest thing. He talks about taking confidence away uh, from this win, his very first tour win. Look at it. I mean, since then, of course, he would go on and win 12 times so far around the world. He's the world number two as we speak. Let's get to this. John Rahm here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Before we do, I want to talk about Encore Golf. They have some amazing golf balls. And here's, here's a question to you. Are you sick of losing your 3 or $4 golf ball when you're out on the course? 
if you give Encore Golf a chance, they've got some very good golf balls. They actually have some great backers, investors, too. Zeke Elliott, Josh Allen from the Buffalo Bills, uh, Charles Schwab Corp. There's a lot of people backing them. Travis Fulton. The, the great golf coach. There's a lot of people involved with this, but they've got some good golf balls. I've been using the Vero X ones, a four-piece golf ball, the Elixir three-piece ball, the Avant is a two-piece as well, the Avant 55. But check out their Elixir, two-time Golf Digest Gold List winner, and it's a golf ball. Basically, $29.99 is the price point we're looking at. Okay, so that's why I'm saying if you're tired of losing your Pro V1 or our name brand ball, whatever it is. Give this ball a chance. It's a tour design ball for $29.99. It's a great value, and you can get an awesome value if you use the Beyond the Clubhouse promo code. It's B, the letter B is in Bravo, Clubhouse. B Clubhouse. Use that online, EncoreGolf.com, and you'll get a great 10% off on your purchase. Give it a shot. I think you're going to like it. Uh, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at EncoreGolf as well. Let's get to this interview with John Rahm. It's about four minutes with him. Talking about the big one at Torrey Pines, of course. And also, I add some sound with Adam Hayes. I'll introduce that here in just a minute once we're done with the ROM piece. Uh, but yeah, an interview with Adam Hayes I did um, going into Torrey Pines last year and kind of what he was looking forward to. So we'll get to it here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Torrey Pines, playing so well there from Southern California. Huh? Yeah. Playing so well there. What, what is it about that course that you like so much? Oh, the length. I feel like it plays exactly to my strength. You know, you got to hit it long over tee. It's not going to roll much, so you can carry it. And then the greens are very similar to where I grew up on. I grew up on Bengrass and Poena mixed, so uh, I'm very familiar with them. Uh, I know how they're going to respond when you chip. I know how they're going to respond when you putt. And uh, I feel very confident on that course. And, you know, it was a phenomenal driving week for me. I striped it over tee, and that made it a lot easier. What do you make of the close of that course, those final holes? Like, what's your perspective on that? Here? No, at, sorry, at Torrey Pines. The final, the, well, the, the final three, the final four holes? The final three at holes at Torrey, yeah. Just with the par three. Six, I mean, 16 is one of the prettiest holes you ever play. 17, you know, it's a, it can be a good opportunity for birdie, but you need to hit two really good shots, especially the second one. It's it's a target green. You need to hit it very close to the pin, otherwise, you know, you can go slope away from the hole. And then 18, it's, it's a hole that requires a massive drive to be able to go for it. Uh, if you're able to go for it, it's not the easiest. You got like those four quadrants where the pin can be. If you're in the wrong spot, you're gonna struggle. So uh, you, know, you gotta pick and choose. Uh, when I played, I played aggressive and it paid off. But I'm pretty sure there's been a couple of people who played aggressive and it didn't. Uh, you know, it's a course that I believe uh, it's premium for both strikers. That's probably why Tigers always play really well there. Brad Snedeker, people who, you know, can, can take it deep but never get too far out of position. I usually good, do good, and I, that's what I think that course is. You mentioned Tiger. There's so much history in Torrey. Tigers win in 08. How cool is it for you to add to, to that history at Torrey Pines to be a winner of, of, of a big event there? It was amazing. It's not a place where a rookie usually wins. First time, page A2 or first time player, right? And just to, to, not to win only, but to get it done the way I did is something unexpected. You don't expect to do it like that with two Eagles like Tiger did in the US Open third round, right? It's just, it was a miraculous back nine. And 13. Man, it, that, that gave me so much confidence. It's just, I, I couldn't imagine. You could not script a better finish nine holes like if you want you want to win you know i thought i had a chance i never thought i was actually you know finish and win by more than one yeah jj spawn was right there with me for a lot of the back to late team ton of guys there yeah. right oh there was like 20 of us right there <laughs> within two shots i mean i was what was i i was one under on the day so i was yeah. i was seven under par on 11t i think i was three back and that's when i went birdie par eagle 
I'm tied. And then that birdie eagle finishes when nobody expected, not even me. And even on 18, you're only up by one as you're starting the 18th hole. So it's not like you've had all this cushion to deal with. No, that's, that's what it makes it more impressive for me, just to get it done the way I did when I had to. Really appreciate your time, buddy. You guys. Thanks so much. Great stuff there with John Ron. Let's get to his caddy now, Adam Hayes, who basically was on the back for him starting in 2016 at the Safeway Open. So starting that 2016-2017 campaign, he joined uh, John Romney. He talks about the timeline, kind of what their four starts were like going into Torrey Pines. And, of course, that final putt, the emotion. It, it's great to hear him describe it because he said it's so much like John. He is such a competitor. The way he was able to release it, all his energy out after that final putt on 18 at the Farmers and Shorts to get that first win. That's so John Rom. That's his guy. Very competitive. He tries to cover it up uh, throughout a tournament, but he, just, he can't. He's revving. He's an engine revving all the time. So we're going to get into some awesome insight there, as well as putting, too. We talk about reading that putt, what that was like uh, from his perspective as a caddy uh, from Adam Hayes. So let's get to Adam Hayes here on Beyond the Clubhouse. End of January. What did that Sunday mean to you? It was. It was awesome. I mean, it, it was a, um, a lot of different things. One, it was. It kind of, you know, up until that point, John had played well. You know, John played. I think he finished maybe right around fifteenth in the first two events that we worked together, uh, which were Safeway and Vegas. And then he played in Mexico at Mayakoba and made the cut, but finished, you know, 30th or 40th, somewhere in there. You kind of middle of the pack. And then, you know, then, it was, then at that time we still kind of had an off season, right? So then you go into an off season. And so you worked three weeks for a guy and, and we got along and he, he played, he played okay. I knew how good he was, you know, but you still, you, as a caddy, there's, there's no guarantees, you know? from week to week or day to day and you know it was a i'll be honest with you, it was not a long off season but it was just kind of like man you know you want to you want to have success early with a guy and a guy like john who doesn't like finishing third let alone 15th and 36th or whatever he finished yeah. you kind of you knew he wants to have it and then we went to palm springs the first basically tournament of 2017 right so i mean wintertime january we're at palm springs we start and he played good I remember it was clear as day. Played good, didn't putt well. Um, went to Tory. Um, worked on his putting a little bit. Went out and played beautiful. And in that back nine on Sunday was so it was it was kind of like a it's a it's a, obviously a weight off your your chest so to speak. You know, like it's like oh my god. And, and so it was a rush of emotions when he won because the guys behind us still had a few holes to play. Yeah. Um, obviously, 18 was an eagle. You can make eagle. That you know, 17. I always think 17 is pretty much a birdie hole if you had a good tee shot. So the guys had holes to play. So it was this like range of emotions where you make that putt and it's like you think you've won the tournament. Then you got to say, oh, hang on, and then you and then you do win, and then you're like, it's just like it was like a roller coaster for that. You know, kind of 45 minutes or, or whatever it was um, until you know he kind of had officially won. Um, but it was. It was cool because it, it, I don't know if it was like verification or whatever you want to call it, that like, of going to work for him. Because like I said, Russell Henley was, I think Russell Henley's a great player, you know, treated me so well. Um, again, I, I viewed him as a friend and that was a really hard thing to do to, to go work, you know, for somebody else and kind of in that uh, team, you know, or that, you know, that 
partnership or whatever you want to call it that um, with him. And, and then, so it was kind of like a, yeah, it was a, it was a weight off, you know, probably everybody's showing John too, you know, there was a lot of expectations on him. So it was, it was unbelievable. Um, and the fashion that went in was so cool because that's so who John is, you know, he's so, you know, just competitive and, and he's just like, he may look like he's cool and calm on the outside a lot of times, but I know his engine is just running like at 10,000 RPMs, you know, he's just like wound up and, and ready to go. And so when that happens and you make a putt like that, and, um, and then the reaction was so cool. And so, yeah, it was just, a, it was a, definitely a special win. Yeah, uh, and did, did you help? I can't remember on the broadcast. I need to look at that again. But did you help him read that putt on 18? I mean, that was a snake of a putt. Yeah, you know what? On a putt like that, you're not really reading the putt. Um, yeah. I, you're kind of giving them um, – I had seen that putt before, not all the way from the fringe, but, you know, coming down that slope. I mean, there's been so many – even on – you know, and John's a historian of the game. He loves watching YouTube videos and stuff. So I'm sure he had seen putts going down that hill. But that year, they had the pin moved um, slightly one direction than where it normally was. Like, so say normally it was five steps from the left side of the green. This year it was uh, four steps or whatever, right? And so that putt, usually when it comes down the hill, kind of wants to work towards the ocean. Um, and I believe this time it went down, and since the, it was a step further closer to the edge of the green, I believe that year it was like four from the left, four from that left side of the green. And the hole just had a little bit of tilt, and I said, you know, see that? I just remember saying, I said, see the ball falling in the front of the cup, and it's going to be going, just going back away from the water at the end, you know, type, something like that. And um, so I kind of pointed out a spot up around the top of the ridge where uh, kind of a general area of where you want the kind of ball dying and then let just kind of like gravity do its thing. So, yes, I, I helped him read it, um, but it wasn't like I was – I didn't read the putt, you know what I mean? I just was kind of, hey, I'd seen this putt. This is kind of what it does. This is the tendency it should have at the end, and it just kind of worked out. Yeah, and uh, so, well, it's become your profile pick that moment when, <laughs> when yeah, was good, huh? on Twitter, right? <laughs> yeah, I think I used it on a – I think I've got it on all of them. I, I, I think that's my, – honestly, my wife did it for me, so I don't really know. Um, okay. I think that's – I think uh, I'm not very – technologically advanced either so i think she kind of set that up and that that's the picture that i was like yeah that's a great a great picture um so and, and, yeah it was cool and, and, oh, go ahead sorry no i just i was saying that that's cool but you know like as far as reading putts that, that's something else that's always a good thing i mean reading putts is an amazing thing in caddying because great putters through the history of the game don't have their caddies reading a whole lot of putts now they have them read putts, but they don't have them read every single putt. I think guys who are the best putters are guys who trust themselves. Um, speed is probably the most important thing in putting, um, more so than the line, I think, a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and so if you have the speed right and you're a good putter, you don't you don't need anybody really reading. I mean, you can you can have us read, you know, caddies read putts for tendencies, things we've seen in the past, but if you have somebody reading every putt and you're talking speed and not, I mean, it's like you, these guys lose their, um, they lose their feel and that's so important. And, and putting is, is just feel. Um, and if you have, you know, John will hit a putt, um, John will hit a putt and, he, and he'll run it, you know, four, four feet by the hole. 
You know what I mean? Well, if, if I'm reading the putt and I've told him, you know, it's going to be a little slower and then he runs it four feet by, now he doesn't really know. Did, did he hit it too hard? Did he, you know, did he, what, what happened there, right? Did, did I did I influence him to make a bad stroke? Then, then everybody's confused. Whereas if guys are just trusting themselves on speed and, and the reads, they, they, they can gain, create and gain feel and momentum throughout the round on what's going on. Yeah. Uh, on the greens. So that's just kind of something that I've, over the years, I've kind of picked up on and noticed some of the best putters rarely have guys read putts for them. Um, and I think John's a really good putter. Uh, I don't think he is. I know he's a really good putter. Um, and I might read, I don't know, I might read a handful at most in a tournament of putts form. Usually it's more like one a tournament or maybe even none a tournament. Oh, really? Okay, so, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I have read some putts. A lot of times the ones he has me read are late in the rounds um, in big in big moments, I would say. Um, you know, 18 and Torrey Pines, yeah, I guess I kind of somewhat read the putt for him. Um, you know, last hole at uh, – you know, Dubai, he definitely said, hey, you know, because there's so much emotion going on in these guys' minds and adrenaline and nervousness and all these things going on that they just sometimes need you to say, this is what the putt's doing. Or I see it on right edge. Just that reconfirmation of whatever it is. So um, that that's, it's funny enough, a lot of the putts that I read for John are kind of later rounds. And you see Joe LaCava, he does that a lot for Tiger. Yeah, very insightful stuff there. When it comes to just affirming putts there, he's talking about Joe LaCava. Look no further than my interview with Joe after the Masters. Remember the short putt on 16? It was a two-and-a-half-footer, and, and it was basically Tiger saying, hey, what do you think this does here? And Joe said, no, are you kidding me? Just, just straight in. Let's go for it. Just, don't overthink it. Let's go. Those are the kinds of things that veteran caddies are talking about. That's what Adam Hayes is talking about there with Joe LaCava and with his own experience with caddying. It's not so much they're being called upon to, to read every single putt. They just have to be a good voice when there's any kind of doubt in the player's mind. So really insightful, thoughtful stuff there from Adam Hayes. My thanks to Adam as well as to John Ron for joining me here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Thanks, of course, to Encore Golf. And, yo, check check out the uh, audiograms coming up this week. I'm going to put a couple together from what John said about Torrey Pines. Uh, we're going to talk about 16, 17, 18, those closing stretches. So keep an eye out for those audiograms. You're going to see them on Twitter, at Johnson Gare and at Beyond Clubhouse, as well as Instagram, at Gare Johnson Golf, and at Beyond Clubhouse Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. This is going to be an awesome week. One of my favorite weeks, one of my favorite tour stops ever. Corey Pines, uh, and we'll uh, look forward to catching with you guys soon.